All right. This week on HHMC, we bring to you our second installment of Listener Training Audit. This week, we are talking about long-distance road racer Corbin. And so Corbin, he decided to take his nutrition more seriously by eating clean, and he unintentionally lost 20 pounds, which has thrown a whole wrench into his energy and his training. So during the episode, Josh and I talk about some healthy and sustainable methods to add calories into a diet and what kind of foods that would serve you best for your training. So before we go into Corbin's training, we take about 15 minutes to talk about our personal training and our schedules that we prefer the most and what those benefits are. Plus, we talk about our experience, both positive, both positive and negative with sleep trackers like things like the Whoop and the Aura Ring and just some of the things that we've found that we enjoy and some things that uh, you know might not serve you that well. Cool. So just a heads up next week, I'll be out of town for mini vacation. So the following Tuesday, we might have a repeat episode for you or one of those old favorites that you like so much, or maybe we'll come through for something in a pinch, but I just wanted to give you a heads up, our loyal listener. So thanks again for tuning in. We do appreciate you so much, and I hope you enjoy this listener training audit with my guy, Corbin. All right. Here's Josh Reed. Josh, hello. Hey, bud. What are you drinking over there? I have tea. I have uh, an Alpha Brain um, liquid solution as well. And I have also have like a, a seltzer. I went running before this. So after I run, I have like all of the liquids all the time. I was thinking about even doing an athletic brew. Because I just get like really thirsty. And I just want to drink everything in the summertime. That stuff's um, impressively uh, like quenching. The athletic which brew. Which one? The athletic brew. I drink one of those and I'm like, I feel, I feel quenched. Dude, I did a, I I ran long on Sunday and I was then, you know, eating gels and, you know, sugary sweet stuff. And when I came back, I had one and it's like bitter, right? Because they are like crafty beers. So there's like hoppiness in it and it has like the bitterness and it was so refreshing. It was like exactly what I needed after, after that, because I was just so like, my palate was all sweet and then giving it some of that bitter afterward. It's legit. I feel like I talk about the athletic brews all the time. It's great. Sponsor us. I am technically an ambassador. I don't know if I talk. To, did I tell you I'm, I'm actually an ambassador for them? No. What does that entail? Do you like half off or something? Or no, like it's like a regular ambassadorship <laughs> where it's like you. I have a discount code. I think it's Rich R14. It's supposed to give you a ten percent off, maybe. So you could use that if you would like. Rich um, R14 for ten percent off. I believe that's true. I believe that's the case. <laughs> and, uh, but besides that, it's just like any other ambassadorship. I'm not crazy about ambassadorships. You know, it's like, I haven't made a post on about them yet. And so I'm sure I'm waiting for them to ask me to not be an ambassador anymore. Cause I'm not, <laughs> doing, cause I'm not doing anything. So I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about it here. And that's one of the things that like a category of like what you can do to be an ambassador, like some different things to like, so you can get points. And when you get points, you can get like free, free brews or like some swag. Um, but for me, I just really like the product. So I just kind of wanted to see what it was like to be involved with it, but it's like, it's, it's fine. It's like any other ambassadorship. Um, Word. Great product though. Great product. And like I said, I've been mm. drinking all liquid because I ran it. I ran earlier today, which is great. It's about noon or one thirty right now, one forty five. Josh, when do you think is the best time? When is your preferred time to work out during the day? Like well, if you had everything dictated by yourself, when would you work out? Mm-hmm. I 
Well, I do calisthenics in the morning, every morning, and that feels fine because it's like pretty low key, you know? Like, like first thing? Yeah, pretty much. I wake up, do coffee, and like within 45 minutes to an hour of waking up after like doing a couple things around the house, uh, I'm moving my body. But you know, it's easy. It's more like a mobility thing. I go through the motions. It doesn't take a whole lot of energy. You know, I'm doing like 5, 10, 15 reps and getting some rest between it, breathing and stuff. It's my wake up. But like running, I don't like running in the morning. Running or like heavy lifting, I need to be woke. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like after yeah, what time, afternoon, what time is preferred? Yeah, like eh. evening, like at, like you want to get like three, or, like two or three meals in you. Actually, dude, I'll go until not not that, like everyone should do this, but like I'll go until like noon or one, and then maybe not eat at all, and then go for you know go for a run at one or two, mm. and then start hustling some food, and uh, yeah, maybe do like a strength session after eating and like a thirty minute digestion or something like that. Nice, yeah, so. Early evening just to get, but if nothing else, caffeine is in you. That helps. For sure. Love caffeine. That helps. Big fan. It's, it's, it's definitely nice to get a good, to get something rolling, get some like positive chemicals introduced into your system with some sort of physical activity first thing in the morning. I definitely agree, but I feel the same way. Like I, I'll wake up and I'll do some like shorter runs in the morning. Like if I'm building volume and I'm doing some doubles, I'll do some runs maybe three or four days a week in the morning. Now, now in particular, just my volume is pretty high and that's okay. But it always like getting out the door. The first thing in the morning is mentally strenuous. Like I just never look forward to it. And it physically is really hard for like that first mile or two. And it's just like, and all I can think about before I start that run is that first mile or two, <laughs> not, not the miles later that feel great or not what it's like when I'm finished. Cause I always feel great when it's over. But right away, it's like, oh, no, I really am going to feel terrible this run. (laughs) (laughs) You wake up every morning, put on your running shoes, look outside at the sun. You think, I'm going to feel terrible. This is going to (laughs) suck. But so do you keep it easy in the morning and then do like quality in the afternoon or? Typically, yeah. Like my runs in the morning are just easy runs and like not even worried about pace that much. Just getting time on my feet and like just keeping the heart rate down and keeping and just getting some easy miles in but yeah quality stuff usually in the afternoon i like to have caffeine and i end up, i end up running more around like two to three regrettably in the summertime because it's super hot <laughs> but i still do it anyway but it just seems to work out best that way i mean I, i'm usually booked up with stuff in the evening time and uh and i like to kind of have some time to relax and not have to worry about a workout like later in the evening i hear that um, that's a, that's a big one for me yeah, if I let things get too late or if I'm just busy, I'm like, oh, all right, I can't like do too hard of a workout or work out too late. And then and if, if I like if I'm working until six, then I'm trying to get in like 60 minutes of work and then I still have to do dinner. It's like, shit, I'm going to be eating at like 830 or nine. That's way too late. How's my sleep going to be? Yeah, things get a little right. compressed. So getting things out in the morning when you can is, is what's an good. what's an ideal day look like for you? Okay, I wake up at 530 a.m. The sun is rising and the birds are chirping. I make coffee. Mm-hmm. It's brewing. I'm pulling off some calisthenics and beginning to breathe deeply. Approximately 20 minutes later, I'm doing Wim Hof, sipping my coffee after perhaps getting my eyes closed for a few moments. I'll then enter the shower, and the shower will be approximately 50 degrees or whatever the well is allowing on this particular day. And then after the shower, I'll be invigorated, and the calisthenics will continue. Uh, <clears throat> and then I'll continue in a normal voice, and, <laughs> and I'll, do, I'll do some work, man. I'll, like, longer, longer than I thought. 
I, I was, was running good. out of breath. I like, was like forgetting to breathe while I was talking like that. Uh, that's why I do the breathing exercises, folks, uh, so, <laughs> to make up for the breathing. Uh, and yeah, I mean, throughout the rest of the day, uh, typically like shit to do around the house or working with clients or doing programming, which is working with clients online, uh, or yeah, trying to get in different bits of exercise. I love trickling in exercises throughout the day instead of like going to the gym for two or three hours. I just, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes calisthenics here, swing the kettlebell, do some cruise fleet over there, go for a little runner hop on the treadmill, do some studying right here, and then like go for a long run later. So it's like two a day, three a day, four a day, but they hardly even feel like their own workouts because they're just so, I, I would almost use the word casual, you know, mm. even if the heart rate gets up a little bit, it's just like, it's just a natural part of the, part of the day. Hmm. You know, it's almost like a way of like, uh, just almost like n- expanding your non exercise activity thermogenesis like your knee <laughs> just like making sure that you are doing a little bit of stuff here and there nothing too over the top nothing too strenuous you're not burning too much you're not gonna have to refuel after all of these that's a really interesting way to to approach that how long have you been doing things like that uh years yeah yeah um i've had the liberty let's see i i used to work an actual like full-time gig outdoors that would occupy me and be like really physically demanding. And that was up until uh, just a couple of years ago. So, so yeah, probably like two and a half, three years tops. Uh, the calisthenics has always been in the morning though, even when like, no matter what job I've had over the past, probably seven or eight years, like calisthenics has been always a huge part because they just don't take a lot of time. And it's just mm-hmm. like have those three movements, squat, push up, pull up on lock. And, uh, and yeah, I can go throughout my day. But, but yeah, I've been pretty, it's been pretty cool having the ability to control my schedule so much. I mean, ultimately I put myself in a situation where I I have a certain amount of money that I have to make. Right. Um, and then I do what I have to do to accommodate that. And then other things that I want to do, I can like, you know, I have a priorities that there are these certain things that are important. And if it's really important, I'm going to make time for it. Uh, and, and also the nice thing about living in the town that I live in, man, like I don't live in a city, you know, you live in a city. Uh, and I feel like almost the more populated a place is, is based on what I've like read and heard, just like talk to other people is you almost have less connections just cause it's kind of chaotic and you like mm-hmm. get in your own bubble to try and get away from the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my town here, it's pretty small and I've just made a lot of connections and I know a lot of people. So it's fun being able to do different jobs, like working for doing tree work. Uh, I was a good enough of an employee and a worker and like skilled enough that the guy's like, Hey, if you ever want to work, like will will take you on immediately so it's cool like right now i'm deciding to do that two days a week because it it's cardio like I'm, my heart rate's elevated all day not super high but it just like fluctuates up and down i get to drag shit lift shit uh, operate equipment uh play around with ropes get my grip strength in it's a fun way to like work out throughout the day you know but uh but yeah kind of kind of dance around the question <laughs> it's like uh that that's my morning sometimes uh i, I have the the freedom to do different tasks throughout the day. And uh, yeah, I want to get my workout in like a hard workout in and be done by like two or three that way I can chill out, get food in me and then like relax and do crucially or something restorative and calming and be in bed by nine. That's like a really like proven method to good OCR results and good strength results is having like a physically demanding job. Uh, Alyssa Holly, who was on the podcast earlier this week, she her, her father was a contractor. So she kind of worked with her fa- her father and he, she's worked with her hands like her whole life. And that was her MO when she came into Spartan. She never missed obstacles. She just like was super strong. And like we talk about some, some guys that we know who have physical, physically demanding like labor intensive jobs that just don't need to work on their strength. They can just like literally do cardio and just run and, and the obstacles are not a problem. So I've actually thought about that. I was like, 
I wonder if I could get a job, like kind of like your deal. Like if I could get hooked up with some company and be like, if I could work for like a moving company, like once a week, and that would be like my huge, my big, like carry workout for the week is just like a day of work and getting paid for it. It seems like the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Yo, if you worked for a moving company, you'd probably, I mean, you'd be on your feet uh, and like your body would be under tension for probably at least half of the day. You'd get in like probably a half marathon on your feet, right? You'd be under tension for hours and you'd probably end up moving thousands and thousands of pounds collectively between all of the bits and pieces that you move. Oh yeah. You get so strong. If you see those movers, they're usually like lengthy, sinewy type of people. They're not big lungs but they carry so much stuff they're they so got to be nimble in those hallways man fit through doorways yeah <clears throat> they're super strong so i've thought about that is trying to get just like making that part of training in an ideal world like if you like you said like if you can make connections and have that hookup like like you said in in the city it's not it's not like that you know people have like you know things are scarce at times there's so many people so it'd be hard to be like hey can you hook me up with a job like but only when i want to do it and i'll be like yeah, they'd be like, what? "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Fuck <laughs> like, off. No, this, this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is union. This is, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, there's no chance. You, don't ever call here. We, you, we won't even work for you if you want to pay us. <laughs> like, you couldn't even help us. Um, it's like, oh, okay, cool, uh, great. Yeah. So I, I, I think that that's a good routine. Like I said, my my ma- my number one would be like ten or eleven in the morning. I would love to be able to like wake up, do some work. Uh, I, I only have a couple of hours before my brain starts to malfunction, like four or five hours of like hard, intense mm. work. And then I'm just like mm. a zombie. So like after that, but my physical energy is still up. I'm able to get, that is the ideal time to run, get like one meal, get some caffeine, hit a run, kind of be a little, woke, a little woken up and, and be ready to rock. Cause later in the day at like two or three, I'm just like burnt all over the place. Oh, and like, it's sometimes I'm like dragging to get out the door and like, I, it ends up being a bit of a fight, like a compromise sometimes. Like, ah, just do a little bit. And I always end up doing all of it when I get out the door, but like it ends up being a bit of a back and forth with myself later in the day. It can be kind of tough. Has that especially been the case right now with your volume where it is? Or is that something that you feel is, uh, is, uh, well, kind of like that, that happens all the time. Like no matter what, getting towards the end of the day, you get tired or is it just been like super high volume lately? Yeah, I feel like it's more indicative on the on on the quality of my sleep and if my nutrition's in, uh, in the appropriate spot. Like, as my volume started to go up, I was kind of falling behind on both of those things, and then it was just kind of ruining my day across the board. Like, the workout to be fine, but my mood would be terrible. Um, you know, my sleep was bad, and I was just like trying. I was just playing catch up, and and I was trying to negotiate. I was trying to take naps before my workouts, or like just trying to get it in. But if I am able to take the proper steps to make sure my sleep is, is in the right spot. Dude, I've actually stopped wearing the, like my aura ring or my watch and I've felt much better. Is it just because like the stress isn't there or a little bit? Yeah. Like a little bit, like not worrying. Like if I wake up in the middle of the night or whatever and worrying about what it's going to say on the app in the morning, like it's, it's real. Like it really happens to me. It's so ironic, isn't it? Here's a device that's supposed to make you like get in tune with yourself and you wake up and you're like, Oh, I'm good or I'm not like it's red, it's yellow, it's green. Uh, and that's going to help me with my day. But you wake up and you're like, what's it going to be? Right. Like I think it's a good, it's a good practice to have just how we talk about. It's like, 
tracking your food is a good practice to take because it makes you aware of the nutrients that you're taking in and where you might be falling short and what, what actually, and it makes you help, helps you learn about what the foods that you're eating, what they actually are. I feel the same way about these fitness trackers, sleep trackers in particular, is that it makes you aware of your sleep. And for most of us before that, we're not, you just lay in bed and you get up and like, however you feel, you feel, you don't pay too much attention to like the long term of what's happening day after day, week, week after week. But to me, it got to the point where I was just like, I was obsessing about it and it just wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. It's like, and now I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of my sleep. I know what it's like to, I know what I need to do to get into a, a bedtime routine so that I put myself in the best position to get quality sleep, but without the like push and pull. Are you, are, you were not wearing your whoop for a while too. Are you, are you still not wearing it? I'm still not wearing it. Like I busted it out the other day and I was ready to throw it on. And, uh, and I didn't, and I guess that just goes to show that it's kind of exited my, my brain, but I, I am going to throw it back on. It's cause like I, I signed up for a year and decided not to wear it like three months after. So I'd say, you know, it's, I still got several months on that thing. So I might as well put it to use, hop back in, see where I'm at. Uh, yeah. But, uh, what the hell was I, what the hell was I going to say? Uh, anyways, um, Dude, the aura ring, does that just tell you HRV or does it tell you a bunch of other metrics too? It's basically the same thing as a whoop. Like if you wear, I don't wear, I I just was wearing that to bed. I didn't want it to be an activity tracker as well. I just wanted to use it as a sleep tracker, which you could also do with the whoop. Like I don't think that activity score, the stress score, I didn't like, I didn't find it to be that helpful. And I didn't find the caloric burn to be necessarily necessarily accurate. Like we talked about that before. Like I think that they kind of pitch it pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty high. Um, and uh, like the stress score is the same thing. Like I didn't, I wasn't changing the way I was doing things, and I wouldn't change the way I did things because of the the stress score that the whoop would give me. Um, so when I started wearing the aura ring, I was like, okay, this is just gonna be a sleep tracker. I don't need this to be a fitness tracker. Um, but it would do the same thing. It would. It has like. Um, I don't know what all the tech, I didn't look into all of it. I don't know if it has an accelerometer or what it is that how it's determining your, your caloric burn, but it has that number. It has a kind of a stress score. Uh, it gives you a readiness score. It does the whole deal. It gives you a sleep score, um, basically the same thing, but yeah, HRV and the heart rate over time. Where dude, I wondered, cause so with the whoop on uh, on your activity strain, it goes up to 21 and 21 is like maxed out. I've hit 20.9 so many times. I'm like, yo, is there anyone out there that's hit 21? Show me. <laughs> Has anyone done it? Is it possible? <laughs> what needs to be done to achieve that quantity of work? Maybe you just have to be a mover. Maybe, maybe a mover, right? Moving furniture, right? Does it calibrate, you think? Does it like, like, would you have, like, if you were sedentary and then you were a mover for a day, do you think they'd be like, whoa, 21, like you made it? Or do you think like, like you just, just won't the couch put you there because you're- Throw it in the, throw it in the washing machine on the spin cycle. <laughs> for like, <seven> <laughs> like you, you had you need to sleep for 25 hours sir um but that's what i mean like it would get up to like it, like yeah because there is a cap to it and it also like would it push me into like 18 or 19 no matter what i was doing and i don't know if it does calibrate i would imagine it kind of calibrates over time depending on the person's activity level and maybe it would adjust i'm not sure i didn't i only had it for about a month um so I don't know. That's another thing with it. It's like, it's, that seems fairly relative to me. Mm. And if anyone's gotten 21, tell me, I'll congratulate you. What did you do? <clears throat> what have you, what done? have you done that day? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we did, we digress. So today <laughs> we were going to do our second installment in 
our training audits. This one is last last the first one we did was about a mountain athlete and how to incorporate some speed work and some other aspects of her training that we went over. This one is going to be almost on the opposite end of the training spectrum. This is a younger athlete who is going to be training for half marathons and full marathons. And uh, so we'll just kind of give you a, a brief synopsis of what their training looks like and what their situation is and, and kind of like the recommendations that we have made around this particular person's training. So this is my guy, his name's Corbin and Corbin is a track and field athlete and he's recently graduated. He's only about 20, 22, 23 and he has run, a, he's run a full and he has um, done a half and it just wants to prepare himself for Boston. He's already run two thirty eight in a, in a full and one twelve and a half. So very strong. He wants to go um, sub two thirty five and sub one ten. So really running. So this is like a, a high level athlete, on the roads. And so in his senior year of college, he started to build up his miles quite a bit and he wanted to really commit himself to doing everything right in his like last year as a collegiate athlete, which I commend him for doing. But in, in the case, he kind of took his nutrition into his own hands and he basically was like, I'm going to just eat clean. I'm going to cut out all junk food. And from that, over the course of several months, he lost 20 pounds and 20 pounds to an collegiate athlete uh, who is already running a lot is like probably excessive weight loss. And he was cutting out a lot of the the junk food that he had. So he was, he scrapped a lot of his calories and, and didn't necessarily replace them with high caloric food. That is more of a, a positive nutritious um, uh, option. So he just like lost a bunch of weight. He just started eating more vegetables, right? And like, intuitively, that makes sense. Like, I'm going to try to eat more clean. I'm going to eat more vegetables. I'm going to eat what is quote unquote healthy. And that ended up kind of turning him upside down where he started to kind of feel sluggish. He was like, lost a lot of explosiveness and really didn't have the results that he was hoping for. And that's kind of where he is now because he does want to keep his volume high. And to me, this ended up being a bit of a, a, a nutrition equation for him more than anything else. Um, because he has it, like the training seems to work, right? Like two thirty eight and one twelve. These are, you know, elite, if not like sub elite times for those distances, especially at his age being a young kid, like, and already running like that fast, like really good, really good pedigree yeah, of runners. So, so just making sure that he's able to match his caloric output with his intake to me is really the first thing that I think should be addressed here. Um, there's some things in his training that we kind of went over that we'll talk about, but I think that that's really the the first place that we, we should start. So anything that kind of sticks out to you right now when, when, when we're talking about like kind of his, his current status. Well, yeah, definitely the right thing to attack there is the uh, the uh, the food. Probably just in fixing that piece, some of the explosiveness will come back. Uh, yeah, I wonder, uh, you know, in talking to him, I wonder if you gathered how uh, how his condition is as far as like mental energy, as far as like being positive about where things can go from here. Is he feeling like diminished or uh, is he feeling like really beat down and do, do you get the the sense that maybe he needs to also like take some rest and do a little bit of a reset before hopping back into things? Potentially. And that, that is a good question. And it isn't necessarily where we went down. He didn't seem pessimistic as people can be when they're kind of in this downward spiral or when they're in a bit too big of a deficit, it can affect all the mood. I mean, like I said, he is young. So this is probably the first time he's come across anything like this. 
but he knew something wasn't quite there, especially with the the massive weight loss. Yeah. And yeah. what are those was, stats, by the way? He's he's a tall guy, slender. Yes. What's he at right now? So right now he is 140 and he's 6'1". So he's 6'1", 140 right now. So it's pretty lean. I wouldn't say that that is um, overly lean for an endurance athlete. I think that that's like, that's definitely skinny. When I was a collegiate athlete, when I ran my fastest, I was 6'1", 52, right? And um, so, but this is like a really skinny, prototypical, like, slender type of runner so that's kind of where he is right now and that's what he when he came when he reached out he's like i want to think about putting on some muscle and i think even before that is about making sure that he's matching matching this output and so the first thing that we went through i, I did get his his height and weight and kind of talked about some of the stats and we're going to go through some of these things and, and for those of you listening these are also some things that you should consider in your own uh, training and your lifestyle so that you can kind of determine where your where you're going to line up in terms of how much food you should take in. And so I'm going to go through all this and I actually have created a, a macros calculator for endurance athletes. I'll plug it into the show notes and you can kind of grab that for yourself. Nice. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool easy. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And it, it, and it's fairly simple. Like it, it you just plug in all your information, all this information that we're going to go through here. We've talked about it on previous episodes. I believe it's in the fat loss episode. We talk about it. I don't remember mm-hmm. episode something, episode number something. HHMC, take them hey, all. Look at look at them. Just go back and listen to them. Re-listen to them. Get all the good content back into your ears. So, uh, my guy Corbin, he is fairly sedentary on his day to day. So he's not he's not a manual labor. He's not a mover. He's not. Cut, climbing trees, cutting them down, throwing them through wood chippers. That's not what he's doing. He's not. He doesn't need all that. So he doesn't need those big jacked arms. He doesn't. He's, he's not working toward that. Not yet. And he is, in particular, would be considered more or less "quote unquote" a hard gainer. So he doesn't necessarily gain weight very easy. He's only eating about three meals per day. And he said he's had a, has a harder time eating smaller meals the day, just based on his habits and routine. But he does have a pretty solid appetite so he's able to eat all the food that's in front of him but it's just kind of spread out only three times throughout the day and currently he's running about 80 miles per week and that's so that's quite a bit ends up being about you know 12 miles a day or something so that that's kind of where we put him in in terms of what it looks like for his day-to-day total output so by my calculations it's about um 3100 3200 calories in which he's expending every single day and so if we were to, you know, break that down, like some quick mental math, like per meal, he would be needing to eat like a thousand calories per, per meal right. and to do so with, with healthy options or vegetable health, health, vegetable heavy, um, meals, it would be hard to, to reach those. If you're eating junk food, you know, mm-hmm. not as hard, but that's really where, I think we could have a good conversation about how to kind of get these calories in for someone in his circumstances. So, and to break down even further, I would recommend him eating about 140 grams of protein, uh, about 485 grams of carbohydrates, which is a lot. And then about 70 grams of fat for for him and has his performance goals. And especially if he wants to increase and try to put on some mass or put on some muscle. I think the carbohydrates are going to be very important for him. And so I think that that would be a really good place to start. Plus it's easy to get those in if we give him the right options. So based on these three meals per day, he's eating like oatmeal, peanut butter, banana, typical breakfast, you know, 
the things that you're eating are fairly are fairly standard. You know, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing that we see in here that needs to be changed or moved around. So the main focus for him should be carbohydrates. And I would also recommend that he takes on an extra meal. So right now at three, I would try to get him at least four meals just to try to try that out first and five probably more. And if he's doubling on some days, which he said he is, then that day would probably be better off getting about six meals in um, to try to spread it out throughout the day. So his main challenge is probably going to be getting some carbohydrates in. So without drinking like soda, like mm-hmm. what do you think is like a good way to kind of add some carbohydrates into to someone's meal who might need to add a little bit more? Oh man, it's funny you said soda though, because I was just rereading uh, uh, Healthy Intelligent Training, uh, Keith Livingstone. It's like a, a the refab of Lidier's stuff, and right. I forget the name, but there's some guy that like drank his way to gold. They were they just it was like a nice clicky uh, saying, like yeah, this guy drank his way to a gold medal on flat coke. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like really that. easy that's, carbs getting in. That's mm-hmm. kind of a marathoner's trick is having uh, having flat coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, and I'm also glad that you mentioned macros. I was wondering what his macros would be too, and like protein for sure. If he's gonna like put on muscle, never mind maintain what he has, uh, that's gonna be super duper important for him as an endurance athlete. And yeah, I would definitely agree. You know that I'm big on fat, and I think fat's super important. But I think that for for getting food in, it can be a lot easier for to to have carbohydrates. Carbohydrates uh, don't offer as many calories per gram, but they do can help like stimulate the appetite. So you can kind of maybe keep the ball rolling. So you have something like sugary uh, that might cause more of an appetite spike later down the road. And when it comes to getting in calories and overall performance, that that is a pretty good uh, route to go. But man, I'm hearing I'm hearing you talk like that oatmeal in the morning, right, dude? I uh, throw throw like some protein in that it's probably mm-hmm. a great idea. You know, you won't, you probably won't feel much heaviness from that, from a scoop of protein, but you might get an extra 20 or 30 grams right in there. And that's going to be an extra, uh, you know, 80, hundred calories. And then plus those just the important grams of protein. But yeah, man, I mean, what, what routes have you taken when it comes to getting in more carbohydrates? Are you like a smoothie guy or what, what have you done? I was when I was eating like an astronomical amount. Astronomical. Like, so when I was like working a lot, when I did have a physical job, when I was walking around a lot, when I was like commuting through throughout the city and and doing a lot of other stuff, like yeah, I would eat. I would do a smoothie that was like ridiculous. It was like like four dates, two bananas, quarter cup of honey, and then I would do like a quarter cup of cashews or almonds for the fats in there, and then like usually mm. a scoop of protein powder, and that would pack. That was like. 200 grams of carbohydrates right in that like one shot um and it was delicious it was so good so a smoothie is definitely a really good way to go um for a corbin like like that might be a good supplement for him but i like that you said adding things to his oatmeal and yeah and and i kind of broke down i gave him some meal timing options as well and he works out like in the morning after breakfast so i kind of like the ideal time that i was talking about maybe around nine or ten so getting in some pre-workout carbohydrates, um, somewhere in like 100 to 120, I think would be good. It'd be quite a bit if he had like three hours or so before his workout. I think that would work pretty well. And over the course of four meals, I think he should aim for about 35 grams of protein every single meal. That's just an easier way to kind of get it all in. Protein is extremely satiating, very hard to eat, and almost less than ideal to eat like 70 grams in one shot. And if you're left with 70 or 80 grams of protein for dinner, you're just not going to eat it. You're just not going to hit the numbers, you know? So you really need to make sure you're getting ahead of things with your protein numbers right uh, from the jump. And there is, there is some literature on protein 
consumption, but I think it has to do more with muscle protein synthesis and, and building muscle and what the optimal number of like what a person can process in terms of protein per meal. And this is more on the bodybuilding end, right? Have you, did you used to subscribe to yeah. that? What were you kind of totally. getting in? I, I, and I mean, we kind of had a conversation about this, whereas, uh, cause you would talk to, uh, what was it? Was it Cor- Corinna, uh, mm-hmm. Co- Coffin or Coughlin? And, uh, yeah, we had a little, uh, a little different view on the whole protein thing. Ultimately it's going to be better to trickle in protein throughout the day. It will ultimately be more manageable, but depending on the protein source and the other macros that you have with it, like, uh, especially fat, which is going to slow down ultimately the digestion process, um, you'll be able to take in a larger amount of protein. Uh, for example, I'll use myself, for example, if I eat, uh, you know, uh, eight or 12 ounces of, of steak of a fatty steak, I'm going to be getting in approximately 60, 70 grams of protein, but I'm also going to be getting in about 50 grams of fat. And if mm-hmm. you do the math on all that, that's, that's quite a, quite a few calories. I think that's somewhere in the ballpark of six, 700 calories just from that slab of meat. And, uh, and when, if I eat that by itself and I don't eat carbohydrates or a lot of carbohydrates with it, which for me is a good option for like late at night. Uh, because the carbohydrates don't spike my insulin. I don't feel like I have uh, a bloated stomach. The meat goes down clean and, uh, and yeah, it just, it just feel, it goes in clean and it it metabolizes slowly. So in some cases, I don't think it's bad to go that high, but it is going to take a little self experimenting. Mm -hmm. But as you say, off the bat, certainly trickling in throughout the day, whether it's like, you know, like 35 grams at every meal, I think that's an awesome option. And if you, if you do yourself the good deed of, uh, of meal prepping, things are going to get a lot easier. hundred percent. Yeah. Meal prepping is an awesome exercise, especially when it comes to trying to hit specific macros. Cause playing that like macros Tetris, where it's like <laughs> plugging in things into your food track, you're like this much, like, Oh, maybe this much, like how can I get all that? You can just knock it out all in one shot. So there's Great definitely, point. there's definitely like an optimal way to do it or, or, or thing that would work. Like how you said, like there's, there's nuance in this, but one from a practical standpoint, like if you need to get in the protein, like it's going to be harder to get in 70 in one shot. Uh, especially if you are also getting in carbohydrates with this as well. Um, then. Hey, does Corbin have a, does Corbin have a dietary preference, uh, vegetarian, vegan, neither Mm -hmm. does not, does not, which makes it, makes it easier for the protein Mm -hmm. consumption. I mean, Say what you will. I know it. Like you can get protein in as vegan, or you can get protein in as a vegetarian, but it's just harder. <laughs> it is just harder. It's going to be more difficult. So he doesn't have that, which is uh, helpful on his end. So like protein powders on on uh, on the menu. So is um, chicken, beef, yeah. eggs, all that good stuff. Tuna, awesome. eggs. Yep, all that stuff. So he's good on on that end. So I do like what you're saying about the protein powder with the. Uh, oatmeal. Also, I always like to have some sort of like kind of liquidy source when it comes to that, like adding honey into your, your anything, honey or syrup is a really good way to add some, some calories without overdoing it or feeling bloated. Um, because that's another thing that you need to consider as well. If you're upping calories by this much, like how it's going to make your stomach feel and how likely Dude. you're going to be to eat it all. I couldn't agree more right there. And that actually, that's a, that's a testament to the issue that we have, especially in America with so many overweight and diabetic people is how easy it is to consume excess calories and especially in the form of sugar. I mean, whether it is through soda or something else, uh, but yeah, there are better, there are better options. You know, if you find uh, like an organic orange juice, uh, mm-hmm. say, let's be real out there. The more vegetables you're eating, you have more exposure to pesticides. So do be uh, wise in your consumption of those things and know where they're sourced from. Uh, likewise with meat, you know, get grass fed and local is all better. But as far as getting in like calories, yeah, liquid source, 
super convenient. Got to stay hydrated. Look at you. You got like four beverages around you right now. All, All right. Beverages. Easy to take in calories if you want to. I know you're like being, you know, conscious over there with your seltzer or whatever, but <laughs> throw a little honey maple syrup in it. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And this is, this is something that is a, like, it's an interesting conversation with this because the the recommendations that are pushed out there for the general public and are not the same for athletes, right? And like Gatorade, for example, it, it became you know almost pig headed ish, pig headed ish, and it's uh, success. I it. Yeah, you, you got it. Became uh, like really aggressive in its success and started to push out their product everywhere that it could be consumed, and really it is created for athletes there are carbohydrates in there to help replenish like mid activity or post activity that's what that's for that's what that's made it's not made to drink at lunch during high school you know it's not made to be in vending machines to have it down and and since it's it was marketed as a sports product people were like led to believe or they misunderstood that it was a healthy product where really there is a purpose behind the sugar that you're taking in. And then it flipped the other way. It's like, Oh, we need to stop drinking Gatorade because it's so heavy in sugar. And so Gatorade, what they do, they came out with a, a like a diet version, like a G2. Right. And then it's like, okay, now, now athletes think that Gatorade is not healthy because it's, we've been told that because we've been told that the public is consuming this and it's making people fat, which it is but it's not making athletes fat, right? So like, like you're saying, like an all natural orange juice and juice is the same way. People like cut out the, cut out the consumption of sugary drinks because those calories are doing nothing for you and they're not serving you well, which is true for the most part. You don't need to have orange juice with your cereal if you're not going to run or do anything that day. But if you are like, it's appropriate and it's helpful. So like, I think that things like Gatorade or orange juice. I really like to drink those naked drinks, naked, uh, mm-hmm. like the, the juices, those pack yeah. a big carbohydrate. Dude, punch. yo, they have um, a, like they have the, a protein, like juice. banana one. It's super good. So good. The, there's a blueberry <laughs> one. I, and I'll use the, I'll get the blueberry one. And whenever I'll, it's what I get for like my pre race, like kind of nutrition, like, cause I'll, I'll eat like, two little squeeze tubes of baby food and then drink some of the, the blueberry, um, naked juice, bunch of carbs, almost no fiber, very little protein, just quick little top off natural food. It's good. How's that baby food? I've never, when I was a baby, I did, but I don't remember. How's that baby food as an adult? It's damn good. It's amazing. (laughs) I would, I went, I found this when I went to the grocery store one time and I just want to get like sweet potatoes or something. I just wanted like something that is just like normal food to eat um, that I didn't have to cook. So I was like looking through like the, the refrigerator section and they had some sweet potatoes there. You know, the ones that you can like microwave. Yeah. I was like, cool. I think my hotel room has a microwave. If it doesn't, that's fine. There's sweet potatoes. I should be able to eat them. I looked at them all sorts of fat and then like all sorts of like butter or whatever butter weird stuff that had sugar in it. I was like, why is this like this? But then I went to the baby food section straight Clearly up. Clearly the next potato. option. Clearly yeah, the next yeah. place to go. <laughs> it's like, well, this isn't going to work. Where's the baby food aisle? But I somehow found the baby food aisle and it's just straight up pureed sweet potatoes and bananas and strawberries. And like, since it's like pureed or like, I don't know what the process is like that happens, but like when you have a juice or a smoothie, the fiber 
is kind of stripped away. I don't know if it's just broken down. I don't really know how fiber works that well. So, but it just ends up with less fiber, which is great. It's pre-race or pre-work, pre-run for me, at least that's what I found. Mm-hmm. Nice. I actually, I, yeah. I've heard so yeah. A lot so baby food's another good option. That to get some word. Nice. It does sound agreeable. Baby food sounds agreeable yeah, totally. and kind. Mm-hmm. Sweet. It's, just not, it's not a lot. There's not a lot of volume there. So you got to right, get a, you right. got to get a couple of different different ones, right? Um, so that's another thing that I think Corbett should really, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's good. You, you'll be fine. The uh, so it's a couple of options when it comes to the liquid sources for him, and I think that that is something he should kind of lean on, especially pre or post workout, um, because post workout I think he should be getting at about 160 ish grams of carbohydrates, which again is going to be uh, quite a bit when and. Even the other two meals out of four meals a day is going to be 120 and like 70 some for his like final meal of the day. So he has a lot of carbohydrates to, to take in. So if he wants to supplement pre and post workout with some sort of sports drink or fruit juice, it will be a, a much helpful boost for him to kind of put pre workout, post workout, and just to kind of supplement these things if he's getting a little bit too full, as well as just kind of having that as part of his, his meal as well. Um, and on the other end, you could also use that in terms of fats because, again, kind of playing this like macros Tetris sometimes. And like when people get really focused on carbohydrates and protein, and they want and they're using like lean sources of protein, which can happen. I mean, especially if if they are vegetarian or or vegan or and they're using a lot of um, dairy substitute or dairy to get in, like the, the fats can end up being kind of low if they're not eating red meat or eggs or whatever. Um, but yeah, you brought up a good point. Like, what are some other ways that you could use uh, like the same type of concept, the same type of approach to help supplement with with uh, the fats? Yeah, so uh, like you just kind of touched on with milk. If you get like whole whole fat milk. I think that's a pretty cool option, especially, dude, mm. we, we've talked about this before. Let's just say it for like the 50th time. It's like chocolate milk. If you, if you can, chocolate milk. if you agree with, 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 uh, milk, if you're European, you got the enzymes for it. Tackle that chocolate milk. Um, get that chocolate milk, like, man. And carbohydrates in there too. Go, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, but yeah, like olive oil, if you're eating salads, you know, uh, throwing a little bit of olive oil in there. And honestly, if, I'll cook potatoes and I'll throw down like coconut oil or olive oil in the pan. A couple teaspoons of that is going to offer you um, 32, 34 grams of fat. Yeah, for most of those fats, a, a tablespoon offers somewhere around like 14 to 17 grams of fat. So just a couple tablespoons uh, can really work wonders just adding a little bit in throughout the day. It's a lot. Like it'll pack a punch. When mm. you, when you have that, I've, I've gotten to, I have had a, a point where I've needed to, to get some more fats in. This is when I was like really kind of strict nuts on getting everything in all the time. And there's times for that where it kind of goes in waves, right? Like you can kind of be a little loose sometimes, but if like you have specific goals one way or another, like making sure that you're really strict on getting in that, like hitting these macros on the nose will just help you know how things are going to learn. But I would just take straight up teaspoons of like coconut oil and just like pop it right in my mouth. <laughs> I was like, if I just need a fat source, like, that's really going to be the best way to kind of get it in without adding any type of other, other digestional stress. So yeah, those are a couple of good options for when getting in the specific carbohydrates and fats and, and protein. That's just going to be a matter of making sure that you're spreading it out through the day. Meal timing is definitely meal timing. I'm sorry. Meal planning is going to be the best way to hit the timing of these different things and getting in the protein sources that you'd like. That makes sense. So um, that's, those are some of like the healthier options and that you can be take, give takeaways. And if for anybody listening who might have that, these issues of 
wanting to make sure that they're getting in the appropriate amount of calories. Those are just some easy ways to make sure we're, we're bumping things up. And um, it can be scary to kind of eat more, uh, but you wouldn't know until you kind of push yourself into that and making sure you're monitoring things. And for the, the time being, I mean, you don't need to be explicitly obsessive about the number on the scale, but it does help when you start to eat more to see how things kind of balance out over time. When you start to eat more, especially in Corbin's case, this is like probably 700 more calories than what he's typically used to eating. He's probably going to add a little bit of water weight in that and and might lose a little bit of his muscle definition, you might say, but overall, just because of, um, just retaining water, you know, not necessarily gaining fat in any way. Um, I've always found that was, um, I always like right now is a good example. Like I'm the same weight that I was maybe four or five months ago, but four or five months ago, I was, I looked way more ripped because I was in such a massive deficit. And now that I'm not in a deficit, I just don't look as ripped. Have you found that? I'm always ripped. You You're about? always just yoked. So there's no, no discrepancy. Um, so that would just be might something that you want to take note on. And if anyone's listening who wants to potentially try to eat more, it's good practice just to make sure, just to see how things are kind of playing themselves out over time and paying attention to what, you know, like your average weight over seven or 10 days looks like, as opposed to what's doing every specific single day, because it's going to change and jump around on you, but it gives you confidence to eat more when you, when you know what's happening. Yeah, totally dude. And yeah, you're gonna be so much healthier. I just wanted to jump in and say that, um, like look like you just said like shredded and like you looked you looked a lot leaner uh there are times where i've been uh far more defined in the past especially when i was focusing on bodybuilding and Mm -hmm. i just want to relate everyone it's like when you see someone that's super duper shredded oftentimes that person might not be in a super sustainable and healthy state just because they look really good doesn't mean they're in the optimal place to perform and for us as endurance athletes i think it's really important to note that we're not trying to step on uh, on a podium to win a physique competition we're mm-hmm. trying to perform at our best and there are gonna be times where you might look a little more uh defined than than another time but don't don't get caught up in there and I, i'll speak from my own experience i've definitely gotten caught up in uh, a place where i let myself sink uh, sink down on calories i pretty much just intermittent fasted until like four in the afternoon and then i eat me eat like one meal a day, one or two meals a day. And I might get 2000 calories, but that was still not a lot. And I could feel my energy. It didn't happen immediately, but over the course of several weeks, yeah, shit went downhill. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had, I had to let go of how I looked at all times and be like, Hey, it's okay to put on, you know, five pounds or something. And just five pounds, I smoothed out quite a bit, but that's okay. Cause I feel great. So don't pay attention to that scale. Right. And, and the, you're right. Like the, the byproduct of heavy training, from an endurance and a strength background and like, you know, the, the, what an OCR athlete looks like is typically physically appealing, right? Like it's a good look to, to have. And that's, but that should just be the byproduct of the training. And that's something that is good about what we're doing, but it's, it's not the, the only thing, right? It's how you're performing. It's how you're feeling. And just want to touch on one thing that you just mentioned and like, you might not know how things are kind of circling the toilet and moving downward because you just always are in that feeling and in that like emotional state. And then that becomes like your normal. So that once what happens a lot when people start eating less and less, or just kind of staying in that lower than optimal caloric range, they just feel the same. And like, you don't know, it's not like a, it's not like jumping off a cliff where things get bad over overnight. You're just going to kind of feel that way. And just your, and that's just going to be what your normal is. So that's another thing that I want to, uh, that I recommended for Corbin is to try to like have a journal, see how you feel, 
like marking things of like your appetite of your mood, how your sleep went and uh, how your performance is and then kind of giving yourself an average of that over time. So you can really have a, a, a finger on the pulse of all of those elements and not just a subjective feeling day to day because you will get used to feeling like shit. <laughs> you don't know Dude. that you're feeling like shit because you just always feel like shit. Have you seen that meme? I think it's like a dog sitting in a, in a room and it's just fire all around. And dog's like, I'm fine. This is fine. <laughs> no. Dog's sitting all calm, but like with big eyes. Like I know you're bad, but like I'm fine. I'm really, this is good. The whole building's on fire. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. That's Don't be perfect. that dog. That is, meant, that is meant for the endurance athlete who is undernourished. That is that dog in the fiery room. But it's true. And that should be something that you and everybody should really kind of take note of as of how that they're feeling. Sleep is huge. I know we just dumped on sleep trackers earlier in this, this podcast. But there's a time but- and place, time and place for them. Time in place. And when you're changing nutrition habits, it's a really good time to use those and you can kind of see what those effects are and see how it uh, helps your ability to get some some quality sleep or uh, like the total amount of sleep and if you're restless or not um, and how it affects on how, when you're eating during the day. Uh, one thing you brought up several podcasts ago was making sure you're not eating too close to bedtime. And that's something that I uh, had not really done just because I was so focused on getting in the nutrients that I've started to really kind of move my meals up in the day and I sleep much better now. So even just how that's going to affect. And, and if you nice. eat late and go right to bed, maybe you'll sleep fine. But if you eat earlier in the day, um, maybe you'll sleep better. You know, so Hallelujah. it's something to pay attention to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, you just said something a minute ago. Um, you said it's good to track things when you like make a change. Mm. And you were, you were mentioning diet, but like, yo, for sure, especially take notes when you're making any changes, like anywhere in your life, especially with training. It's like, if you make a change, log what's happening with that change. So you remember into the future. That's your data. That's your own experiment of one. You can't have a good experiment without taking down the data. 100%. And like, that's something that will stop you from jumping from like trend to trend because well, if you take the data that you're doing on your on the experiment of the one thing that you changed, you can have a definitive answer of what's going to work for you. So that is very, very important. Also, along those lines, this might not be the exact same thing, but making sure that you're not making a bunch of changes at once, just so that you know that you can collect data and you can draw it back to what the, the like why that outcome is happening, like what change took place, so that you know what is like made that happen. Like, is it because you're eating more or is it because you're eating earlier? Or is it because you put your phone down three hours before bedtime? Like make, making all these changes at once, it's good when you're motivated to do all these things because that's kind of how motivation works for people. But it just becomes disorienting to know what's actually working because you're doing a whole bunch Dude, of shit. That's, that's such a good point. Yeah, that's such a strong point. I mean, actually, in terms of food, like discovering uh, – like foods that don't agree with you. Like if you find out that you're lactose intolerant or something, like like milk makes you inflamed or something. It's like, all right, and you're going to cut a bunch of stuff out. Like cut, just cut that out at once. Mm -hmm. All right, rather than cutting a bunch of things. And then if you do like the elimination diet and you just start introducing one thing, like the whole point is you do it one by one, like really slow. So you have time to observe how that one, that one thing, the introduction of that has made you feel. So yeah, isolating those variables, really good idea. Yeah, great point. And especially with the diet and the elimination diet, like elimination, an, an elimination diet should be a long term process. Or you could do something like uh, are you, you're familiar with like the whole 30 diet that whole, that, thir- whole 30. I haven't heard yeah. that term. What's that about? So whole 30 was popular, maybe, you know, six, seven years ago, it kind of came out, it was kind of along the lines when <clears throat> 
paleo and all that was popping as well. And it's along the same principles of that. And it's just a 30 day challenge and cutting out anything that could potentially have some sort of intolerance. So it's kind of a blanket for things that if there's any, if there's any person who has a food intolerance of anything, it's like, it like removes all of that. So like uh, dairy's out. So what do you do? Just eat air? Yeah. Basically I'm a, just a, air. A breatharian. Yeah. Um, and I know there's nuance and people are, people will have intolerances to a bunch of weird stuff, but like there are some outliers, right? Like, so it's no, no sugar, no dairy, no gluten, no, um, legumes. Yo, that person's going to feel like shit for like two weeks. They feel like, <laughs> like shit for like, sugar and all that. Oh yeah. man. They feel really bad for like, you know, seven to 10 days and then they feel great. And it's not a diet for body composition, so they don't have you weigh yourself because, like, they don't want it to be a a, a fat loss diet. You will probably lose weight if you're cutting out all that stuff, like, almost guaranteed, probably yeah. just water weight. Like, if you cut out gluten, most people, they're going to eliminate a lot of the carbohydrates. Um, like, rice is out for some reason. Like, there's, like, there's some, like, quinoa is out. because it's rice? Like, rice is good. Cereal. I, I forget. Like, there's a lot of different things that – it's rice gluten. No, there's no gluten in rice. Um, but there's, uh, yeah, like just, it's really restrictive. And, and like, I like their hope, like when you read about why, cause I had some problems with that. I was like, why would you want to eliminate quinoa? That's stupid. And it has an explanation. And it's like, well, it's a pseudo cereal quote unquote. And then after everything, their explanations, it, it's, is it's just 30 days. So suck it up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right. But, um, got me. And then after that, they have you reintroduce, one of those um, uh, categories uh, and then for like four or five days and then you take that category out again and then you go strict quote unquote whole 30 and then you see how your body changes. So really it's an elimination diet. That's what the whole 30 is. It's not a diet to make you leaner or make you feel better. It's to help you understand what food is doing for you. So there's a whole book, a whole brand on it. it, it was really popular, really big, and it does help people a lot. But I think that that will be a, a really cool way to kind of figure out um, what how some foods are making you feel is by going through some sort of elimination diet. If you don't want to do the whole uh, nutritionist dietitian route and like going and seeing a, a food allergist and like getting all these tests done, because that's a long, arduous process. That's what um, I was you- just thinking, man. It's like something like that for someone, uh, you know, in living a lifestyle like us where we're trying to be in decent shape all the time, or at least be building towards something and having a season. It's like, it's hard to fit something like that in because talking about variables, it's like, oh, all right, well, I'm at this part of my training and I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go keto and I'm going to uh, increase my volume at the same time. It's like, well, that's a bad idea. It's what Corbin did. You know, it's mm-hmm. basically what Corbin did. He's like, I'm going to take my nutrition serious and make healthier choices. And he did that, but without replacing what he had lost in terms of uh, macronutrients and, and calories. So yeah, if you were going to do an elimination diet, like now is not a terrible time, just especially if you're kind of pulling things back if without any real races on the horizon, but making sure that it is like I would like I know I would never do something like this. <laughs> oh, alcohol's out too. You know, no alcohol for, for sure. sure. No, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. That, that's my most people are like, no chance. No, nah, not, not a way. I'm doing Get it. Get that athletic brew and suck it up. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So just doing this is a really cool way to figure out. But again, we've we've dig- we've digressed a little bit there. But making sure enough. it is relevant. It's all along the same lines and journaling. Always journal when you make a change, track some different things, make sure you know what it's leading back to. Um, Word. 
And so just another thing I wanted to kind of touch on with Corbin Strainy because he feel like he has lost his explosiveness as a runner because of his volume is going up so high. And this is something you hear sometimes is that when pe- when your volume goes up, you're, you kind of lose your speed. But I don't believe volume reduces your speed. I believe not doing speed work reduces your speed. And I think that those things are not mutually exclusive. I think that there is a way to kind of put small doses of, of training and, 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 uh, speed workout in with, to make sure you are staying active, um, without completely losing all type of speed work. And, uh, so that's something I want to touch on a little bit as well. And I know you're a fan of doing things like short, short hill sprints and bounds. And, and I think that this is a great place to kind of put that in. If you're getting your miles up to, you know, 80, 90, hundred miles, even like it's going to be hard to do quality work and sustain and, and continue to progress your miles just because you're going to get tired. So that's one thing I want to kind of touch on is like kind of making sure you're adding in specific, like short bouts of speed work while you are increasing your volume. And we did an episode, I forget again, episode something a couple of weeks ago that we talked about how to maintain volume. And this is something we've kind of talked about a little bit. So what are some things you think would be a good way to kind of like dose some, uh, speed workout. Well, you know what, man, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you first because you're, uh, you know, you're more of the road guy. That's more of your, uh, that's more of your thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, looking at this dude for sure, if he wants to keep the volume up, uh, we have to take a, a look at the whole picture of stress. And number one, definitely get like if the eating thing is a non-issue, that's that's all back to normal. He's feeling healthy. I'll definitely want to make sure that the body is feeling super healthy because if he's in a tired state, who knows what that means for uh, his joints, his tendons, ligaments, and all of that stuff. So if everything's feeling good, I would start to introduce not maximum effort sprints and or bounds, but I wouldn't start to introduce some of those types of drills at a sub-maximal effort, hmm. whether that means you know starting out at we don't have a force plate to measure it, but like rate of perceived exertion, it's like bound your way up a hill, do some of that springy stuff, uh, do some accelerations, but only bring yourself up to about 90% of the speed that you're capable of. And for a guy like Corbin, if he's capable of running, you know, 400 meters uh, in, in 60 seconds or, or 50, maybe he is pretty fast. I don't know what fast is in his mind. But like, yeah, if you do an acceleration, you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that is a good a good recommendation of just kind of working into faster than what his half marathon pace would be by doing something, some sort of accelerations or some sort of strides or striders at the end of his run to make sure that he's kind of mixing in some of that speed to make sure that he is kind of counteracting the the building of, of volume. Righteous. So what do you think as far as a uh, uh, more lengthier speed work, like tempo, threshold, where, where do you think that has a place for him right now or down the road? Yeah. So in marathon training in general, there's definitely going to be a place where he's going to need to do some marathon specific stuff. So working in some half marathon, some threshold, some marathon pace things, but that's going to be much more race specific. And I'm guessing if he's run 238 and he wants to run 234, like he's going to be doing like those 10 to 18 to 20 mile tempos. That's probably his bread and butter. But in this case, like he's talking about making sure that he is staying like explosive. So I think like this, the, the, the speed work of working at like you know, just under like 90% sprints is a really good recommendation doing some hill type sprints. Um, and also just as he builds volume, I think just doing, you know, minute on 
minute off at paces at about threshold pace or sub threshold pace, like 10 K pace for like a minute. And then just like normal pace for another minute or doing like fart lick work where it's like one minute fast, one minute slow, two minutes up, two minutes down, three minutes up and just kind of like working in things. So it's not over the top strenuous that it, that it makes you want to do less volume, but it is enough to kind of make sure that you're working all the different systems and, and getting in some, some good variety in your speed work. That makes sense. I like the variety. Yeah. That sounds like it do doing pretty good. And ultimately, right, if you just if you take your legs and your body at a slightly faster speed than you were doing, that's <laughs> as long as you don't overdo it, you're gonna end up getting faster. You know? So without going as Same, fast yeah, as you exactly. absolutely can go, just go a little bit faster than you have been and do that in an interval fashion because if you do go faster than you have been, it's gonna be pretty taxing like on your nervous system and on your musculature. So interjecting that in small bouts any faster than you have been doing, you're gonna end up getting some results from that. Right. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just doesn't, it just has to be not long, slow miles, you know, which is what a lot of times runners will fall, fall into. It's easier. You get into the groove. It feels really productive just to go out and run 10 miles, you know, but without, uh, adding in a little bit of this, this speed here and there, you would, you will lose it for a little bit, but you can always kind of bring that back. And, um, there's a lot he's going to do. I mean, he's pretty dialed in when it comes to the training itself, when it comes to the running piece. And I, and like mm-hmm. you said, I think he would get a little bit of pop and energy back when he gets those calories up. And another thing along the lines that I think he should try to introduce is some heavy lifting. If he has trouble maintaining muscle mass or if he wants to try to build some things back up that I think he should find himself in the gym, maybe twice a week doing some heavier type lifts. Um, I don't know exactly what his background is in terms of how experienced he is in the weight room, but I think doing any type of like heavy compound lift for him would be a, a really good place to start. Maybe trap bar deadlift or kettlebell deadlift, uh, something that is going to elicit a big, heavy response and give him some of that hormonal response in terms of uh, growth hormone and testosterone, just to give a little bit of making sure that he's getting some of those repair hormones um, delivered into his system. Uh, we've talked about this before, but what do you think in terms of something he could do in the gym? Yeah, well, I will say, uh, touching on uh, like hormones, restorative hormones, testosterone, and growth hormone. If you do, uh, you do sprints, you're going to get not like super duper long sprints, like, you know, like eight, we're talking about 800 meters or, or 400 meters even, but some close to all out short duration stuff. So you get out there, a couple of, uh, you know, wind sprints are feeling good, start to throw in some of those harder effort ones, and you're going to get a good hormonal response from those as well. But in the nice. gym, definitely, uh, if you, if you have experience lifting weights, start to edge yourself towards some lower rep, higher weight stuff. Make sure you have good form. Uh, yeah. Deadlifts, man. Uh, deadlifts are the bomb. The bomb diggity uh, trap bar is great. I do. I am a bigger fan of the straight bar, right? Cause you get a little bit like just the position that ends up putting you in. It's uh, I think that it's slightly nicer hip extension, you know, there's uh, a, a little more into the hamstrings and whatnot, but, uh, but yeah, if you just lift heavy stuff in general, you're going to get a pretty good response. And if you don't have experience doing that, start doing, learn how to deadlift, do high rep, low weight, get those tendons prepped up for it, get those muscles used to the motion and start to work yourself towards that, uh, low rep, high weight. What do you think you would give somebody to see if they could get like the heaviest, the biggest response from a heaviest lift? Who's like almost an, a, a complete novice, like not somebody who's been sedentary for 30 years, but someone who's just coming into to strength and to strength training. Like what kind of exercise do you think you would do? Like I have a couple ideas, but I want to hear yours first. And then I'll just agree if I think they're good. And if I don't, I'll just be like, interesting. 
Um, I'm, I'm throwing you at it first. Gotcha. So it would be it would be a trap bar deadlift, but it would the uh, trap bar would be elevated on boxes so that the individual doesn't actually have to lean down quite to get it. And so the person would end up only have to extend their hips and they would end up only actually lifting the bar maybe four or five inches. And so that's going to load their spine, their skeletal system, and they're going to have to mm. be under full body tension. And it's a good it's a good spot to work on like the lockout, the top posture, because that's a, a very important part of the movement. And then if they look good on that, you can start to lower the boxes and put them through greater range of movement. Mm, interesting i think that's a good call have you ever done those belt squats uh is that where the chain goes through the floor yes like that there's a machine i think it's another like west side barbell invention but like you mean you could i've seen people do it where i mean this is really for someone who kind of knows how to move a little bit but like people are actually standing on a box and they'll have like a belt like a weightlifting belt, like not a weightlifting belt, like a chain belt that you'd have for like a weighted pull-up and they affix weight to that and they're standing on a box and they squat down so that they can lower themselves. Um, there's two boxes, right? There's two boxes. They're standing one foot on each box and the weight would be in the middle and so you could lower it down. Um, and that's another way just to make sure that they're not... that. Because that's the thing I worry about with people lifting heavy. And they can also put their hands on stuff for that too, to like keep an upright posture to give like more st- stability as they go down if they're not familiar yeah. with being in that position, right? Yeah, yeah I've seen that. I haven't used it, but I've seen it. I haven't used it either. And mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in it because that is something that they they started to develop at Westside just so they could do squats without loading up the spine as much um, because that's where things mm-hmm. kind of get out of whack for people who might be who are people for who are training super heavy and can't do it all the time or people who are pretty novice and then don't necessarily have that type of body control. Um, I was also kind of thinking maybe just like, when you think about like a goblet squat or even like a sandbag squat, just picking up a heavy sandbag, like I probably won't be able to pick up anything heavy enough. You think like to hold that sandbag out in front of them, just maybe pick it up and be able to squat with a sandbag in front of them. Or do you think you still wouldn't be able to be heavy because that puts I, you in, I, I in mean, better I, position like if you're not if you don't have an awesome squat i mean i i do like having a weight out front it helps counterbalance you know if you don't have like the mobility in the ankles and the hips and you can't get down to a low squat that can help you get a little bit deeper with an upright posture but if the person isn't skilled in the strength stuff i don't know what their the integrity of their their spine will be you know under that type of load i don't know what their core strength is so if we're talking about a total novice here right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've seen that. I've seen like some some poor goblet squats where the lower back can round out pretty bad, um, and that's not a, a good way. But maybe a lunge, a box step up, maybe. Maybe like a, like a you know, you know Rich, uh, a different approach is um, rather than loading all at once throwing on a weight vest and going for like hikes and walks. Uh, that seems to be a pretty viable way to help build some bone density. Yeah. I like that. I think that's a good call. That'd be a great call for someone like, like Corbin or someone who, and that's just to get a little bit extra volume, a little bit more time on feet or someone who is just, just kind of getting into some strength training. That's definitely, a good idea. Definitely going to build up some leg strength too, especially if you know, you're hiking on some uneven terrain, uh, eccentric load going downhill with that. Get a ruck. Do you have a, do you have a ruck pack? I don't have like an official ruck pack, but I got backpacks that I throw away in from time to time. And I have uh, this old like military vest that I threw a piece of a broken cinder block in. And then another pocket, I got some sandbags and make with what you got. Do, you know, make do with what you got. But you got uh, it. it weighs 22 pounds and uh, yeah, it works out. Yeah, I was talking to um, a friend, Mark Godet, about his about his ruck. And I mean, he has a legit army, army rucksack that's like the most burly looking thing I've ever seen. And uh, 
because I, I would love to get one of the like a go ruck that's like a little expensive for like what i think i would use it for you know they're, they're like two they're like you know they're gonna be over 100 bucks or mm-hmm. something like that and you're you think your book bag holds, holds up okay dude that bag man i got my osprey a 65 liter i've for sure had 80 pounds in that before i'm not saying it's comfortable really? but i'm saying it packs it packs it pretty well yeah it's an expedition pack like it's meant to carry mm. a week's worth of shit in like cold, cold environment where you need like lots of, you know, like thick sleeping bag and lots of food and the stove and the whole nine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a bag that's probably like that, but that, that's kind of like my suitcase that I have. It, that's a bag. <laughs> I don't know Dude, just hike with a suitcase, man. Just do like a farmer's carry, you know, just go out for a walk and be like those people that are holding dumbbells, but instead yeah. of like swinging them, like the little one pound pink ones, you can just have like, just have like a couple of 15 pounders down by the side and just go for an extended farmer's walk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's smart. That is smart. Um, thank, thank you. Cool. So I think that kind of wraps up some things on Corbin. I mean, the main the main thing is the main thing with Corbin is the nutrition piece. You know, once he gets that in in line, that's really what's going to make or break. Uh, pretty pretty much the rest of it. Pretty much the rest of training, and then once he gets through it, then we can we can kind of get into a little bit of of some of the strength stuff and some of the, the, the speed stuff working at a, a higher rate. But, um, so I think that's, that's really where it's going to be and just making sure he's getting in those, those healthier options that are a little bit more calorically dense so he can feel better and perform better. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, man. Yeah, dude. You know what? He's young, uh, as, as we are still, we're still young and beautiful, but he's, he's for sure young. And, you know, it's like, do what you have to do to, to stay healthy. You know, don't worry about getting up to like 120 miles a, a week and being super thin and whatever, you know, just keep, keep yourself healthy so you can keep on chugging along. Cause this is someone, right. you know, if you're, when you're at that level at that age, you're looking at someone that if they, they play their cards, right. They, they can be a serious talent. They already are a serious talent, you know, but that's someone yeah. that can really, really shine uh, in years to come if they take care of themselves. So take care of yourself. Totally. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Right. Like put, if you put him into his like mid to um, late twenties, early thirties, like he's going to be pushing into, you know, sub uh, like two two twenty six two twenty five territory. If he's able to stay healthy and is able to kind of fuel himself the way he can appropriately can and, and get that recovery. Uh, there's no doubt. It's pretty sweet. Pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> uh, what do you got going on this week, bro? Dude, this weekend, man. Yeah, I wish you were coming up, dude. Uh, have another again? one of those little OCR get-togethers. You bet your ass, man. Party. Yo, so we're gonna we were gonna do fifteen at fifteen percent challenge. Um, but then we we're gonna have like, dude, we're gonna have like fifteen people up here. Um, Whoa, you should start charging. I know, right? No. <laughs> uh yeah we were gonna do it on the treadmill but that would take forever i mean 15 times 15 what the hell is that was that two 225 minutes yeah it's like close to three hours um something like that okay. be More fun. Than just math um but yeah instead we're gonna go to a local mountain uh it's uh we talked about it before overlook mountain it's it's what i where i went for like that it's my local route where i do my uphill challenge to check my fitness right and uh we're just gonna race up that i have a feeling i'm gonna pr who knows by how much but uh we're yeah, gonna actually we're going to race it. Oh, for sure. Dude. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. And I had a busy, uh, busy last couple of days. So I just did a little less exercise than uh, I originally had intended. I'm like, you know what? I'm taking like, there's been a busy week, uh, gym's opening stuff. So I was like, it's a little mini taper. I'm going to hit it hard. Uh, taper, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, dude. I'm stoked, man. Cause, uh, cause yeah, Steve, Frankie, and a bunch of other guys, there's actually a couple young guns, man. So, uh, I ran, I PR'd my 5k over the weekend, me and right. me and three other right. guys. Thanks, brother. Y'all finally part of that sub seventeen club. I feel so fast. And then I look at guys like you and Woodsy, and I'm like, I am so slow. Um, 
<laughs> right? I'm all, I'm pretty much already at 15. Let's be real. I'm only a minute 45 <laughs> away, so I'm pretty close. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, me and three other kids, we, uh, we went after it. It was awesome. We all tried to go sub 17. It was like a real race. We stayed in a pack for, uh, for two and a half miles and then like started to break off. And dude, I, my brain was so gone. I just zoned into the kid in front of me and I totally thought we had another lap left. And this kid blows past me from the back. I'm like, what are you doing? Kicking from like 600 plus meters out. And, and next thing you know, we come around the last turn. We were like 200 meters out, dude. I'm like, oh shit. So just be real. I could have made it a little quicker, but uh, that's all right. I lost 10 bucks. We bet we bet some money, but that's all right. We all got you, ice cream and we we're all friends afterwards. You bet on it too. Good for you. <laughs> did um did you have the lead the whole time? No, there was actually, uh, there was a kid that went out in front of me and he started to like pull away a little bit. And I thought I was slowing down, but like our second lap, because I did, we did like 5.27 first lap, uh, first mile. So that was pretty on point. And then we did like five i did 523 and he was a bit ahead so he did like 517 so he really picked up that second mile i ended up dropping back on the third mile and uh, i kept it pretty steady with a 526 or so it would have been a little bit faster had i known i was on the last lap but uh but yeah i was super pleased with the pacing it was awesome anyways uh both all those kids were uh they've done some obstacle course racing one of the kids won his age group and i think age group outright like in jacksonville uh, nice. the beginning of this year so uh they're gonna come and try and shred it with the big boys uh up in the mountains because they're good flat runners uh so we're gonna see how it goes in the mountains and then they're gonna come over here and flip some logs and run with some kettlebells and a sandbag it's gonna be a good old time let's go are you working out some of those uh Yeehaw, man. programming are you are you already writing out the the workouts and everything for for this weekend yeah or do you are you is it a collaborative effort or are you or is it or is it all so your... so i already have i already have it set up it's it's my masterpiece it's uh, yeah. it's actually it's a pretty short course. It's like it's like seven minutes is the time to beat. It's pretty darn short. Um, oh, it's the same so, one you guys did with like the two hundred meters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, We're doing that back. so we can gauge ourselves on last time. Nice. Right? So it's like it's another time trial. Uh, you know, some people have been working on their farmers carries a little bit more, working with the sandbag. Uh, so yeah, it's been fun to have like this tiny little thing to train for. And it's seven minutes. It doesn't like beat the crap out of us. We can still have, like a great time and feel good uh, later on and have fun the next day. So nice. That's strong. Yeah, That'd be really fun. So you think that, so would Steve be your biggest competition going up that mountain? That is, that is my guess. Yeah, dude, he's been, he's been looking strong, man. His, his uphills have been looking really good and he's, uh, and yeah, he's just overall a strong runner, strong downhill. I'm going to try and blitz it though, dude. Right now the downhill record is, uh, well, it's 2.1 miles and it's like 10 minutes, 20 seconds. So the guy was running like four thirties. Uh, we're going to try and pretty much wow. pinch it down before and it's going to hurt. It's for sure going to hurt, but Whoa. dude, it's just, just open it up and let it fly, man. Is it, is yeah. it runnable like that? You can do that. Oh yeah, this is, yeah. This particular trail, this trail is like not technical at all. It's, it's a pure fitness trail. It's like, if you have the motor, nice. you're going to crush it. There's a few pebbles to watch out for on the way down, but it's a, uh, it's a utility road that goes up to this old abandoned hotel that like burnt down I don't know, many years ago. And it was like a radio tower. So, uh, oh man. So yeah, yeah. It's, pretty, not... it's pretty easy running. Oh yeah. You'd crush it. That's my kind of hell. That's my kind of dude. We're talking Bill, about. Listen, you've got time. Pack your bags. Come on up. So my brother's getting married this weekend. Oh, so... that's right. Pack his bags. Bring him up. We'll all and go. We'll get married up at the top. After the vows. He's actually going to be near you. I think not, not it's uh, West, West town, New York. 
Um, south Poughkeepsie quite a bit. Where are you in, in terms of Poughkeepsie? I am 30 minutes north of Poughkeepsie. Oh, you're north. Okay. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to be south almost like an hour, I think. We're like almost right where uh crosses over from like New Jersey. I think we might be like where the t- closer to where the tuxedo race is. Gotcha. Yeah. That's like that's an hour where... and a half for me or so. Hour 15. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe I'll make it up there just to to run that service road hill. Dude, that- Saturday at like, I think we're going to try and hit it like 9 a.m. I don't know when the wedding's happening, but come get your sweat on, beat those legs up, and then just go sit in a chair and watch your bro get married. Got to give a speech. Got to feel good about <laughs> your legs, it. Your legs are like trembling underneath you while you're trying yeah, yeah. to talk. My brother, <laughs> my brother set a, um, got us a tea time. So maybe I'll speed golf it. And then everyone else is having a good time. And I looked that up. I looked up like some speed golf courses. There's only like three of them in the country. There's like, and like not close it. Like one's like in Texas. Like there's only like, there literally there's only three. There's a whole website. It's like, find a course. I was like, cool. And then it was like nowhere, anywhere close. It doesn't even dude. You would piss off so many people. If you went to a typical club, go to like some some eyebrow club and you're just passing people right and left. Like, excuse me, sorry. Just like get a few hits. People are just looking at you and it's happening so quick. They don't even know how to respond. Like, thanks. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Next one. Yeah. So yeah, this weekend's not going to happen. I got plans. Okay. Okay. Well, you have good reason. I forgive. I forgive you and your brother. Yes. Thank you. Um, well, cool, bro. So where can we find you? Uh, you can you can find me on, on the Insta, Joshua Reed, J-A underscore S-H-U-A underscore R-I-E-D. Rich, where you at, bro? Reinforce underscore running underscore Rich. Yes, that's it. That is the handle. That is my handle. Um, so hit us up. Got questions? Want Need any recommendations? Or if you want us to talk about anything specific on this very podcast, we will do our best. As always. Super fun. Paces.